bring you our Friday profile. And I have to admit, and I admitted this earlier on, this woman is one of my crushes. I've been following her story for many, many years. She founded an organization called Afro's Transformational Games. And Afro's is a play on words um, uh, with uh, African heroes and heroines. And it's a company that built mobile games, uh, mobile-based ba- games mobile games-based learning or these platforms that allow children to not only play games but also get an educational experience on heroes and historical narratives of the African continent. And it's it was quite an interesting journey that she's traveled. Great successes with different games along the way um, that, that she managed to put forward into the market. I recall back in um, around 2010, there was a very popular game that did very well, Champs uh, Chase. Uh, that was developed for the Nelson Mandela Children's Fund uh, to champion uh, uh, children and, of course, to support the Nelson Mandela Children's Fund. And uh, another one, of course, came along uh, after that. The second one was Teka Champs because soccer is such a dominant theme. It's a sport that we love across different borders on this continent. It was a great conversation starter, of course, and easy to attract children. But it was an interesting journey that she traveled as uh, uh, the founder and CEO of Afros as a, a startup of this nature. But she's also doing great work as the UN Women Head for Southern Africa. And it's really with these two hats that she joins us today as we explore her journey and some of her interests. So the lines are open to you as well on 011-883-0702, for your SMSs. And uh, we'll also take your WhatsApps on 072-702-1702. It is, of course, the one and only Anne Kutuku Shongwe. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Azania. It is. Such a pleasure to have you here. Yes. Well, I, you're, I'm, I'm, I'm your fan, so I'm excited to. I talked to you on, on, on online, but I haven't Before, met yes. you, so it's wonderful to meet you face in to person. Face. In person, yeah. the last time I saw you, you were speaking at the Lionesses uh, ah. conference. I was riveted by the story that you shared. So, in you were observing your children, and you realized how captivated they are by mm. video games, and that's where the penny dropped. The light bulb went off. Well, actually, maybe a step back because I was frustrated by what what media is doing to our children and it still is doing. And the fact that media is so controlled by the West that we have no real impact on it. And if I look at my children, even now, they're so consumed by media from everywhere. And so my concern when my son was born was to imagine that there would be no other influence other than this really dominant media. And mm-hmm. it was to, for me to sort of ask myself what you know am I going to stand by the side sidelines and just sort of watch this happen um, and I felt I was really driven by this as each child was born I kept thinking no I have to do something about this yes. so uh, initially I wanted to do these sort of CD uh, stories and I built this whole series of stories um, but it was more of the same mm-hmm. and then I had this fight with my son and he was going on about not wanting to do his homework and all of this. And I just said to him, you know, you're so consumed by this thing. And we were fighting. And he said to me, you're always telling me about African heroes. Sit here and just watch this. Yeah. And this is a game I had bought him myself called Civilization. And I didn't realize what he was learning from it. And he said, watch this. And there in the game, there was Emperor Mansa Musa mm-hmm. from the 13th century, who was the biggest emperor ever, uh, you know, across the Mali and Songhai Empire. And then there was uh, Mandela and there was uh, Shaka Zulu. And here is my son who's telling me about Mansa Musa. And I know that South Africa history doesn't tell him about this. Yes. 
So he said, look, mommy, I'm learning about your Africans. <laughs> and I said to him, okay. And that's when the penny dropped because mm. I thought, imagine if we could actually use the same platform to start getting young people who unsuspectingly are actually engaging with real values and paradigms in history that matters and that starts shaping how they make choices and decisions in their future. Yes, because we've seen the West do that. They will d- d- create a concept around, say, Alexander the Great, a Absolutely. movie about his exploits. Yeah. And uh, uh, inadvertently, you get to then discover or learn about this particular person, and yet we neglect our own heritage. Yeah, and I, and I, and I have to say that the, 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 you know, one of the things I learned from this, and I think that was very humbling, was the cost of really being able to put some such a such a uh, a game on the table mm-hmm. so i went searching all over the world to figure out how do i partner who does one work with and after i had searched widely i found that on average these big console games can cost you 500 million dollars to put on the table sure. and so in many ways we are excluded from influencing that market because of that sort of cost. Mm. Um, and so we end up having to, to really just consume their products and not be able to influence our own. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we did research, what we found was that actually the, the most powerful uh, platform was mobile and our young people are on those platforms. Yes. So we didn't have to then focus on console games as I had thought because I thought it was going to be Xbox and PlayStation. Um, I still want us to get there mm-hmm. and I still intend mm-hmm. for us to one day do that. Yes. But it's, but it's, it's prohibitive. And so the mobile platform became the platform to, to use and all our young people are on it. Yes, and we know the impact that mobile can have in transforming our society. In fact, earlier I was talking about this conference I was a part of yesterday, looking at this digital revolution mm. um, and how Africa can benefit from it. Yeah. So you had to immerse yourself in this arena because it wasn't necessarily your, your scope of, uh, of interest previously. And a friend even took a bet. And said that yeah. <laughs> you won't yeah. last six months because yeah. you left your job at the UN to do this. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, How hard was it? It was, it was hard, but you know, there's nothing more challenging than having this vision and this dream that I, I have to do this. Yeah. And, and, and then try to learn what it takes. Mm. And I suppose it's great to have to be naive sometimes because I had no idea what, what to expect. Mm. Um, all I knew was I wanted to get these stories in this game form and have them in young people's hands. Um, I didn't realize that in the process, I would somehow suddenly become a technology guru. Yes. And that I was a gaming uh, sort of expert and that I um, was this entrepreneur woman. I hadn't thought about any of that. All of it for me was just about, let me just get this thing into women's yes. hands, into young people's hands. And so um, I actually had to spend a lot of time learning. Mm. And it's learning by doing, but I actually actually had to invest in studying. Um, you know, how do you make games? Yeah. What does that look like? And it's different from a movie. A movie you write a storyline. In games you 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 design rules. And that's why games in a game you 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 can change the rule. You, you, the, the choices you make and the rules that you pick and how you follow those rules will change the outcome. Yes. And that's life. Not all of us sort of follow the same story. And so I did debate movies mm. versus um, a game. 
But the thing about the games is that it actually helps you to shape and frame your own journey right. based on the choices that you make. And you share the story of how all of the attention, because there was great excitement yeah. soon after you started this journey. And yeah. I think there was a great lesson for uh, uh, young entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs who are starting out. They need to hear that lesson, that you will get all of this attention and that attention can derail you or yeah. it can start to interfere with the initial intention that you had. I, I, it's a very important lesson for entrepreneurs. Mm. Um, it is so important that you build your product, invest in building the product, invest in building the business model and quietly so. Yes. Um, the time will come when the media you'll be ready for the media. I don't think I was ready for the media. Mm. Um, and I felt as if I had to catch up with the media that had defined this, you know, incredible person or, or vision or company, which I didn't have. And so I spent my life feeling like a bit fake. Um, I got a call one day from a former boss of mine who's from the Gambia and he was in Nigeria and he calls me from Abuja and he says to me, you didn't tell me that you were this multimillionaire. Ooh. <laughs> and I thought, I said to him, yes, I'm a multimillionaire in love and in blessings and so on. But my bank account certainly isn't multimillionaire. So what are you talking about? Mm. So he says, well, I have this magazine, some entrepreneur magazine, and it says she gambled on gaming and, 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 um, developed an empire or something like this. And suddenly I was this huge, big, well, rich, wealthy woman, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and I said to him, you know, it's not the truth. But my vision is a millionaire yes. vision. And yes. so, yes, I receive. <laughs> <laughs> I receive that. But in real terms, what started to happen because of the media attention was that my brand surpassed the, 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 the company and mm -hmm. the product. Mm -hmm. So I suddenly became this brand that was growing and the story was growing. And it was great for advocacy. It was great for mentoring and encouraging others. But it, the, 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 the business itself suffered from it because I was being drawn away all the time yes. to be able to sort of maintain and keep up this thing. And it's almost like, you know, when uh, Sheryl Sandberg wrote about Lean In and talking about how women, um, that imposter syndrome, the imposter syndrome i felt like an imposter mm -hmm. but I, you know on the other hand i watched men and a lot of men just don't feel like imposters they're imposters most of mm. the time but they don't feel like imposters they just go with it you know um but i found that that entrepreneurship and building a business is probably one of the most the hardest things you can ever ever do with your life yes and i encourage young people everywhere go out and build an enterprise especially before you have a family and you have you know, mm. huge responsibilities. Mm. It is the biggest teacher in your life ever. You'll come to appreciate what cash flow means. You start appreciating what being an employer is. You start trying to understand how every decision you make will influence whether people can eat or not eat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think in terms of your strategy, use the media to build the business. And then when the business has reached a certain place, then the, you can use the media for your own brand. Right. But be careful not to, not to, not to follow the media, not to let the media lead, lead you yeah. or mislead you. Mm. Um, but you know, hey, we, we, we took advantage of the, of, of, of that. But yes. 
No, I think I thought that was an incredible lesson. Um, and when we come back after the break, we'll talk about some of the other interests and the work that you're doing as the head of UN Women for Southern Africa, because it's important advocacy work because mm-hmm. our society is riddled with so many societal problems. And so often, uh, uh, like the headlines that we saw earlier on the story of Nompumelelo, the story of Zolile, the story of the Karabomokwenas, yeah. all of that uh, 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 forms a part of some of the ills in our society. And it's an area of of interest and passion for you as well. My guest this afternoon is Anne Kutuku Shongwe, and she is the UN Women Head for Southern Africa. Right, uh, getting tongue-tied there. But we're back with my guest, and that is uh, Anne Kutuku Shongwe. She is the UN Women Head Southern Africa, doing incredible work across our borders in Southern Africa, addressing the needs uh, of women and the struggles that women have. Another area of interest for you, Anne, is, of course, around how women can be empowered, especially around business. And you talk about the things that we can do, but also that legislatively uh, that governments and authorities can do. So what are those in a nutshell that you think we need to start moving towards gradually? It's so interesting. This whole morning, we've been a group of women sitting with uh, the two advisors to the president Mm -hmm. um, that he so courageously appointed. And we're really very, very happy to have Trudy Makaya in Pumzile Langeni to be advising the president. And so we had a conversation with a whole group of women in business and women in civil society, talking to them about how do we make the economy work for women? Mm. And in that conversation, we, we shared and, and, you know, based on our sort of global experience, um, I'll just share with you uh, a statistic, which is quite mind boggling. Um, Across the world, between 10 and 30% of the GDP of most economies come from public procurement. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So procurement of goods and services, whether it's transport and uh, um, procurement of of large equipment for construction, also catering and logistics, you know, all of this. Um, The South Africa value of that is 635 billion. Across the world, women get 1% of that. Of that 10 to 30 percent? Of that 10 to 30 percent of the GDP, of that 635 billion, of that value in whatever country it is, right. 1 percent. South Africa is a little bit better. We're at about 8 percent, but the bulk of it is at the lower end and it's catering and events mm-hmm. as opposed to real value businesses. And so, and yet, as you will recall from that famous uh, McKinsey study that said that if women had equal access to jobs, to financial inclusion, to mm. uh, uh, um, uh, enterprise opportunities, the world would grow by 26%. Yes. So here we are with such an immense opportunity to grow the economy. And when the, when, when, when the president and the minister of finance talk about the growth projections of South Africa from, z- from 0.9% to 1.6%, and they continue to say that the growth opportunities are in the same old, same old, the same old, in resources, in manufacturing, and agriculture. Resource, exactly. Have missed the fact that if you invested in making sure that every child, every baby in this country has care, mm. right? And invest in the care economy, meaning childcare, and in the elderly who are looking after our kids. 
that we could act, the economy could create 2 million jobs mm-hmm. just from the care economy. So this growth you're looking for. You so social infrastructure, is the area. which actually supports and enables women to work, yes. but also cares for the next generation and creates jobs while it's doing that and opportunities for greater tax, that the, the growth of the economy will come from places that right now are not in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's about women being excluded from the main economy. So what can women do then? Because this also resides with us, that we need to push, we need to demand. Well, women are doing a whole lot. And I'll say that we were today with the Business Women's Association. And uh, as women's associations from across the country have been trying to break through and take on these some of these public procurement opportunities. Um, and so we've been working with them to actually support these different associations to build out lists of women, biz- owned businesses, right. who can, you know, can, can, can grow the capacity to actually um, deliver these new areas and opportunities that are on the table. Mm-hmm. The problem we have is that this field of procurement is an old boys club. So we can push as hard as we want, but we're pushing against a a wall where companies, the transnets and so on, have been buying goods and services from the same man who Mm -hmm. they play golf with for 30 years, for Mm -hmm. 20 years. And so you imagine you stepping into this field, you're unknown, you're a new business and you start trying to challenge a business that has been there for 30 years. It is a huge, huge, huge challenge. And so what we're looking for is really working with the procurement officers, the supply chain managers in companies and in the government to start changing their minds and require them legislatively Mm -hmm. to ensure that 30% of that and actually, we're just being polite at 30%. 50% of that goes into women's hands and making it a KPI that they have to deliver on. Absolutely. So if they, if, if we have that market op- open, then women businesses that keep starting and falling apart because they can't get the opportunities mm-hmm. would be more likely to survive and be sustained. So a lot of what we're, you know, of course, women raise your hand up. And put yourself up and for the opportunity yes. and work hard at it. And I think women do do that. But because there's these huge obstacles, it's a huge, huge struggle. So we have to do a lot of work on the demand side. Yes. So we're looking for male leaders in particular because they're the ones who run businesses and who run procurement and so on, who will then take the initiative to to actually bring women into the business because it's good business. Yes. Uh, Another area, and I know that you've been quite involved in this, is the kind of violence that that we're seeing against women and girls in Southern Africa. Mm. What are you coming across in your work as the head of uh, women at the UN in in Southern Africa? I mean, I think that this, this, this issue is one of these issues that if we don't if we don't find real solutions, it's gonna, we're all going to be a huge indictment in our own history. Because we've normalized it. Because we have normalized yeah. it. Um, I mean, there's a few areas that we are seeing some change and some movement um, at a practical level. And I think a lot of our focus has tended to be on survivors. So what do we do with survivors? How do we find women who... Uh, you know, who have survived and make sure they go to the police and mm-hmm. make sure that mm-hmm. they go to, you know, to the hospitals. Mm. But there's a whole big piece of work around prevention. How do we make sure that you, Azani, and I don't do spend our become? lives threatened mm. by 
um, sexual abuse in one way or the other in our lifetimes. It is, the statistics tell us that we can expect that in our lifetime, you and I mm-hmm. will be abused by a man. Mm-hmm. So the work on prevention is huge. One of the things that we've been doing is working with men themselves. And we have a partnership with the Conference of Bishops, South Africa Conference of Bishops. Mm-hmm. I mean, an unlikely partner. But they approached us and said, we would like to be able to actually work with men in taverns across the country and train them to become, to create zero tolerance for violence in their communities, in their bars, um, and actually start changing the rules around how the bar works yeah. so that women are protected from violators in that space because mm. they found that alcohol is a big driver of violence. Yeah, so put this responsibility in the hands put of the men. Responsibility Can we maybe make a date to unpack that, yes. this project With a little pleasure. bit more? Because yeah. now sadly we're out of time and there's still yeah. so much more yeah. uh, to interrogate, especially well, he, in terms he, of the work yeah. that you're doing. He for she is a big initiative that we have and it's about yeah. driving men for ending gender uh, violence. Mm-hmm. It's a big, big, big opportunity. The same thing at, at universities and yeah. there's, there's, there's a lot of work that we need to do um, but we are seeing opportunities where men take it upon themselves yes. to so, talk one man to the next and ensure that not in the, not under their not in their name mm-hmm. and or under their watch will they see this, right. um, and we have one thousand of these in Clerkstop that we can already talk about. Hopefully, we'll find a date because you are in and out. You're always travelling with yeah. the, the mandate that you have. It really has been a privilege. Thank you so much. Thank you, Azania. That always, was Anne Kituku Shongwe, and she is the UN Women Head for Southern Africa, and she was our Friday profile.